Bismillah, alhamdulillah, you listen to Islam tomorrow, we're back. We've been talking about something called Sunnah, and we're ready to continue in that vein now. We're talking about just a Sunnah. Earlier we discussed what the meaning of the word Sunnah was. It means a way that something is done on a regular basis, basically. We talked about the authority in the Sunnah in Islam, that it actually is something a part of our belief. It's taught to us in the Quran that we have to follow this sunnah of Muhammad, peace be upon him. We have to follow his commandments and his uh, teachings. This is from the Quran itself. Additionally, we discovered that the Quran and the sunnah are intertwined to the extent that you can't really separate them. The Quran has to be explained by the sunnah, and the Quran gives the authenticity and the authority to the sunnah at the same time. So they work together. And this verifies the hadith of the Rasul sallallahu when he said, which we mentioned in the previous program, that I have been sent with the Quran and something like it, meaning his sunnah or his ways. Now we'd like to talk about some examples of that and understand how this sunnah is so important and what's the value. In other programs, we've talked about miracles in the Quran, the mu'ajizah of the Quran, We've talked about the way it was revealed. We talked about the science of the Quran. We talked about rational arguments of the Quran. We talked about ways of showing the Quran beyond any shadow of a doubt. Had to be only from Allah and that it was in fact the haq or the absolute truth. Now what we want to do is see if the, if the sunnah carries something like this. Because if it's like Quran, as he said, something like it, then we should find things in the sunnah likewise that are, there are some miracles here. Aha! Now that's interesting. Let's look. First of all, the prophet, peace be upon him, did he do any miracles? I've had a number of times that I heard ignorant Muslims, Muslims who don't really know a lot, tell me that Muhammad, peace be upon him, was not like prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, or other prophets, in that he only had one miracle, and that was the Quran. Have you ever heard people say that? They only had one miracle, Quran, that's it. But they'd say, well, that's the biggest miracle because we still have it today. Certainly that's true, we still have the Quran today. And none of the other miracles of the other prophets still exist. The stick of Moses that became the snake which ate the magic of the magicians of Pharaoh, it's gone. The same stick that he used when he hit the Red Sea and it split open and he walked across with the, the children of Israel, it's gone. The people who were clear, cleared up of the skin disease that, that Jesus, peace be upon him, healed and the ones that were blind that could see again by the permission of Allah through the preaching of Jesus, peace be upon him. Even the dead one who came back to life. It's mentioned in Old Testament that they used the bones of one of the prophets, Ezekiel, and it, these bones caused somebody to come back to life. Mentioned also in the New Testament and in the Quran that Jesus, peace be upon him, brought somebody back to life by the permission of Allah. Still those peoples died. So they're not here anymore. There's no evidence of any of those prophets' miracles anywhere. But the Quran still exists and that is definitely muadizah or a miracle through uh, Prophet Muhammad by the permission of Allah. Without doubt. Yet, that is not the only miracle. That is not the only miracle. 
there is a famous book which you can obtain in the English language called The Sealed Nectar. It's translated from the Arabic, another book called Al-Rahikul Maktoum. This book is an excellent work done in the last decade, just excellent work, highly recommended. One of the uh, scholars from India wrote this, just a delicious book, really, to read the history of the Prophet or the Sirah of the Nabi, sallallahu It's It's really worth the time to, to read it because it gives not only the history and the right order of how things came about, gives you the different understandings so you can see why people thought different things about the Prophet that were eyewitnesses to the accounts. But it also clearly states without any equivocation the clear miracles that the Prophet had. Even before he was a prophet, there were miracles. Even before he was known to be a prophet, there were strange things that happened that indicated that he was the prophet that had been foretold of in the scriptures from before. Read it. It's really, really interesting, worth it, every second that you spend with it. And help, inshallah, bring all of us closer to the Prophet and to the Sunnah, and likewise, through that, closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's really worth it. And I'm not selling books. I'm just reminding myself that's a good way to get it. A lot of it's based, by the way, on the works of Ibn Hisham, one of the early chroniclers of the Sirah uh, of the Prophet, his biography, his, his life story. Now, um, I'm just going to mention a few of those just so we can see that there are other miracles. One of the miracles of the Prophet was that the moon split. I think that's a very huge miracle. And people saw it. It actually happened. Those who believed in him as a prophet and those who didn't both saw the moon split by the permission of Allah, but it was to indicate to them he's a prophet. Just as the prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, was born as a miracle birth without a father. And that was a test for those people, actually. It's a miracle, but at the same time, it's a test. You have to believe that. Another miracle, a very clear miracle, and if anybody denies this, they really haven't even read the Quran is that Muhammad Sallallahu was taken from Mecca all the way to Jerusalem in one night. It's called the night journey, Surah Isra, which happens to be chapter 17, right before Surah Kaf, right after the B. 17, read it. It starts out that the Prophet Sallallahu is telling us that he is the one who took his servant on the night journey from the mosque or the haram or the Kaaba area there at Mecca all the way to Jerusalem. I call that a miracle. By the way, they didn't have 747 jet at that time. Okay? They didn't have real fast cars. They didn't have rocket ships. They didn't have... The, the transportation was actually an animal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had just for this purpose that moved very quickly and took the Prophet from this place in Mecca to Jerusalem and then on a rock, a famous big huge rock, the Prophet ascended up, 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 up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And along the way he encountered other prophets and spoke with Adam, our father Adam, 
and to Ibrahim, salam, Abraham, and to Moses, and so on. It's a famous story. So, do you call that a miracle? I do. I think it's amazing. And without getting into these, there's some beautiful stories within just this. This is not a purpose right now. We're talking about sin. <laughs> How about when water comes out of the prophet's fingers? Now, anybody gets cut or, they, or their body opens up, fluids that come out, could be blood, could be something, but it's not pure water, is it? But from the Prophet from his fingers, pure water came, enough that the people could drink and even wash themselves and make wudu to pray. Is that right or wrong? Okay, I call that a miracle. For me, I never had anything like that happen. I never saw such a thing. This is a miracle. Did you ever hear about animals talking? It happened during the time of the Prophet. They uh, spoke and confirmed that he was a prophet. A wolf was one of those. Uh, by the way, how about plants? You never heard about plants communicating with humans, did you? Yet there was a tree stump that the Prophet used to stand on and give the khutbah or speeches. Somebody built him uh, one like this thing that you can sit on or stand on, step-looking thing. So he started to use that, and when he did, that tree stump started crying. It made like a sizzling noise, like crying, and he had to go over and comfort it and talk to it, and then it quit. I call that a miracle. So we have many, many miracles that Prophet had. Of course, the biggest one is the Quran. We're not denying that. But we're mentioning this so that we get an accurate record of what Sunnah really is all about. And now we're going to come to these modern day examples and let's think about it. These are stories that really happen. I'm not, I don't make up stuff. But when you hear it, you have to really think. One night I was coming home from an event, a fundraiser in Virginia. And it was quite a drive. It was late. And I don't do well after a shot. I like to go to bed right after a shot. I couldn't. I had to drive home. I had my little daughter with me at the time. I started falling asleep at the wheel. We pulled up to a red light. I put my head down on the steering wheel, closed my eyes, and I just felt like I could not raise my head. She's saying, Daddy, wake up. Daddy, wake up. Daddy, wake up. I'm saying, I can't. She reached over to turn the radio on, to, hoping to make some noise in there to, to wake me up. And when she did, I keep it tuned to these talk shows. I like to listen to these people argue about stuff, you know. She turned it all the way up. And when she did, I heard a voice saying, Never stand up when you eat or drink. I went, huh? Who said that? He repeats it. He says, Never stand up when you eat or drink. It started right on his sentence. I mean, when she turned it on, it was perfect. It wasn't in the middle of a word. Never stand up when you eat or drink. Always sit down when you eat or drink. I'm going, who is this? Who's talking about the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Because we know in the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu that he always sat down when he ate or drank. Very seldom did he stand when he would eat or drink. It, it's, it's recorded that sometime it could happen that he did, but this is, not, this is not his normal way, his normal Sunnah. Okay? This person speaking was a doctor. And he was explaining the many kinds of, of diseases that originate or are influenced 
or inflamed by people who stand up when they eat or drink. The damage to the esophagus, the damage to the stomach, to the various organs, how it comes about. And he went on to explain your body is designed so that you're sitting down, crouching down, having the legs bent what like you are when you're sitting, when you eat or drink. This is how you're designed. This is how you should do it. He said, if you knew the damage caused, you'd stop standing there eating and drinking. People go to the to the water cooler in the place of work or the coffee bar and they stand up and drink, stand up and eat. And he said, this is bad. And he went on. His whole program was about this subject. Of course, it's late at night. You know, they'll put about anything on, I guess, at that time. Maybe it'd be boring to some people. But it wasn't boring to me. It woke me up and I drove all the way home. I was excited. I said, we've got a clear proof right here of something amazing. And my, my proof is not about standing up and eating and drinking at all. No, 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 no. My proof is some, something much bigger. It's to say that the Sunnah itself is verified by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by Him telling us in the Quran, if you want to come close to me, call in kuntun Allah. Tell them if you love Allah then and then Follow me, follow the Prophet and then and only then Allah will love you and forgive your sins, as we mentioned in the other segment. Now stop and think about this. Here is a clear sunnah, 1400 years later, being discovered by a non-Muslim doctor, we'll call him a scientist of his work, telling us. Now if we listen to the doctor, and he tells us, and now we're willing to sit down when we eat or drink, then we didn't do it for Allah, did we? Did we? The Prophet ﷺ's example is there, but you said, that's just a sunnah. Now you see my point. That's just a sunnah. But when you heard it from the doctor, oh my God, now that's something I need to do. So you didn't do it for your God, you did it for the doctor, or you did it for your stomach, or your esophagus, but you didn't do it for Allah. Part of the test is to do it without having to know the reason behind it. Why is it that we can't eat pork? Well, a doctor may tell you that no matter how you try to purify it or cook it, that there are some things in pork that you just can't get past. There are certain diseases that come from that meat that don't come from any other meat. Somebody else will argue, yes, but they didn't used to have refrigeration and we have it now. And then somebody else argue, yes, but there are still some things that even in refrigeration it doesn't destroy them. That they can be activated again whenever you start heating that meat up. And somebody else can tell you, well, it can cause cancer. Somebody else can tell you it could cause brain disease. It doesn't matter, does it? We were clearly ordered in the Quran not to do it. This is a commandment from the Quran. So when we have, and I'm using the Quran commandment so that you understand that it tells us that it is forbidden to eat laham khanzir, which is the flesh of the pork or the pig. So when we find in the sunnah something that's been also ordered not to do, it's not different because at the battle of Khaybar, for instance, on the authority of Ali, the Prophet ﷺ forbid two things, and that is laham himar, the flesh of the donkey in Zawjimutta, the marriage of pleasure. This is recorded in Sahih Bukhari. So for us as Muslims, we don't have this kind of an option to say that's just a sunnah. 
we need to talk with our scholars and find out what's just a sunnah. <laughs> I gave you a couple here talking about, some might tell you about meat or standing up, but how many others do we have to have before we wake up to the reality of what the sunnah is about? When the United States Navy commissions a ship, sends it out to sea, and then experiments with over 200 of the men on the ship. I read this from the Navy's records themselves, talking about they were experimenting to find out what happened if they certain of the people washed their hands before and after they ate. They had to wash their hands so many times a day, and another group didn't wash their hands, and they wanted to see the results of how many get colds and sicknesses, diseases, headaches, migraines, etc., etc. Those who washed, obviously, were less. To the extent that this caused them to now issue an order that people that uh, the, in the Navy, the military, they have to wash themselves a certain way certain times a day. They have to. It's the order. So if they did it because they were ordered to do it by the military, they didn't do it because it's sooner, did they? So if you're a, mil a military person, a Muslim in the military, they order you to wash, and you're doing it because they told you, but you won't do it because Allah told you. You won't do it because the Prophet told you. When a doctor is going to perform brain surgery or heart surgery, does he wash himself? Or he just walk in from working on his car? with grease all over him and open you up. Of course he washed himself. Where does that come from? Do you, does anybody know? Do you know that the, the Muslims actually in Spain came up with a lot of the things and concepts that we have in medicine today? And one of them is what? Washing. They were Muslims, so they washed anyway. We wash before we pray. We wash whenever we come out of the bathroom. We wash after we've fallen asleep. We wash ourselves in a special way. Now, I was also watching one of those uh, supposed to be shows that you get knowledge from, Discovery Channel, something like that. And they were talking about what happens in these fast food places. When these kids, the people that work there, go into the toilet, they come out, they haven't washed their hands, and because they're putting their hands in this food, that this is actually causing the spread of hepatitis B. It says it's a, not a deadly disease, but it's certainly not pleasant to catch it. Hepatitis is bad. And it's being spread because these kids don't wash their hands. I say kids, but whoever's working in these places, use the toilet, come out, they go right straight to the food. And that's, by the way, one of the reasons I don't like to eat in fast food places. Forget about everything else. That's a clear reason right there in itself. you got other people telling you, you've got fat where you can eat their meat, blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling you, that sometimes they even cook the meat on the same place where they cook the pork. So you might be eating pork. But for sure, in everything you're eating there, it's very possible, even in the salad, that you're getting hepatitis B. Good reason not to eat there, isn't it? All right, now. In the Sunnah, the Prophet ﷺ taught us to wash the hands three times, the mouth and nose three times, the face three times, and then the hands and arms three times. Then the head and ears and then the feet. Okay, but I want to focus on the hands washing because look what they told us. In that special, they said, 
they want the people to wash their hands for the amount of time it takes to say their ABCs. Well, go get your stopwatch or look at your watch now or look at the clock while I say my ABCs. And imagine yourself trying to wash your hands three times. You got the water running, put your hands underneath there, interlacing your fingers, and we'll get ready to start ABCDEFGHIJKLMNPQRSTUVWXYZ. I haven't even reached three times to wash my hands. I've already completed the alphabet. And you're going to do this three times washing your hands, then the face knows, and then you're going to come back and you're going to do the arms again and wash the hands again. So you've actually gone more than double what they prescribed to be the, what they need to have for you to be able to, to work in these fast food places. That's prescribed by the government. Say the ABC is what you watch. What we have is at least two times better, but we won't do it for the sunnah. It's just a sinner. But the government said to do it. Oh, I'll do it. What else do we have in the sinner? The list is so long, you would not believe the number of things we found in the sinner that will help us today. Laying on the right side when you sleep. Well, we have doctors today that will tell us that it's actually better to lay on the right than the left because of the placement of the organs in the body and how you do. Isn't that amazing? But again, why did you have to wait? Why didn't you just take the sunnah and do it? Make sense? These small things. Now you might say, well, I don't see the benefit of walking into the masjid on the right foot. I don't see any benefit there. Why do I have to do that? Prophet Islam used to walk into the masjid or any house. He would walk in on his right foot. Except two places. He would always go in on his left foot. Who knows what the two places are? The bathroom is one, and the other one? The market. The marketplace. The souk. Yeah, yeah. He goes into the souk and the bathroom on the left. Everything else on the right. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you that I know anything. I'm telling you just only what I observed myself. And what I noticed is that anytime you go in the bathroom, there's a dua that you say for protection. Now, when I walk in a house, I say bismillah. When I walk into get in my car, I say bismillah. When I come into the masjid, I say bismillah, and there's a dua that you make, but that's bismillah. But when I go into the bathroom, I'm seeking refuge with Allah, and when I go into the market, that's a place he told us that the devils are. He's telling us no angels in the bathroom. He's telling us devils are hatched in the marketplace. So I'm saying, Billah. So by going in on that left foot, it reminds me to say what? Billah. Seek refuge with Allah. Get in here, do your business, and get out of there. Don't hang around in that place. Hanging out at the mall is not something Muslims are supposed to do, by the way. This is one of the worst things you can do with your kids. It's like putting them in the devil's background and just leaving them there. So this is definitely something for us to consider when we talk about what about what's in the sunnah. The list is far too long for us to enumerate here. But what I suggest is to go and read this book, and look at how many things in the sunnah that you find there that he used to do and try to practice what you can. And keep in mind the hadith of the Prophet who said, whoever will revive a sunnah of mine He'll have the reward of it from all those who do it until the last day.
So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those people who work to revive this sunnah, to bring back this reality, this part of Islam which we've been sadly missing for so long. Amen. You have been listening to Islam Tomorrow. We've been talking about something called Just the Sunnah. You can hear this and other similar programs by visiting our website at islamtomorrow.net and look for the audio-visual part. We're open 24 hours a day and always plenty of free parking.